Hey there, thanks for dropping in to listen to the Friday Reporter. I'm Lisa, your host, and for the last 25 years, I've worked in public affairs. And for those who don't know, that's where we take the hard questions for our clients from reporters. So to switch things up, I thought it'd be fun to flip things around. Remember that movie Freaky Friday where the characters traded places? You got it. That's the concept. So this time, we're going to ask reporters the questions. And we're going to have a little fun with it while we're at it. On today's episode of The Friday Reporter, I am thrilled to have a friend that, well, we have a great story, I think, a great friendship story. A longtime friend of mine sent me a resume for our guest today and asked if I might see about sharing his resume with others. It just so happened that I had this surprise and unusual lunch where I found myself sitting across from Britt Hume from Fox News. You can imagine this little kid from New Jersey wondering, how in the world did I get here? But the value in that sort of offbeat and unexpected lunch was that I got to share the resume for my friend Chris Steyerwalt with the big-time name Britt Hume. <laughs> and I, I tell that sort of funny story, Chris, because uh, because it was so circumstantial and just sort of like as luck would have it, and we were all kind of in the right place at the right time. And then, and then, you know, within weeks, you were at the Washington Examiner. So, ladies and gentlemen, friends of mine, and anybody who's listening in today, allow me to introduce my good friend, Chris Steyerwalt. Well, Lisa, the uh, the email thread between Britt Hume uh, and my soon-to-be boss, Stephen Smith, uh, when he was the editor at the Examiner, uh, hangs in my hallway, and I walk past it every day because uh, it it was you never, ever know. And I had no plan. I, I had previously no plan about moving to Washington. Uh, my circumstances changed. I, I needed to move to Washington. Uh, and I didn't know how I was going to do it. And I thought, well, there's just no way that I'm going to get this done. I've been successful in West Virginia. Uh, and But I'm a big fish in a small pond. And I don't know how I'm going to do this. And it was definitely a God thing, but it's also a one of the things where, and I tell people this all of the time who are looking for, you know, this was, I don't know, what was that, 15 years ago? Something like that. 15 years ago, yeah. <laughs> something, something like Amazing that. Amazing how long, yeah. 13, 15 years. Mm-hmm. So the um, what I tell people, though, and I tell the story fairly often, too, because what I'm what I try to impress upon people is you don't know. You don't know. And, you know, since I got fired at Fox, uh, people call, reach out. They want to talk about stuff. And I'm, I take them all. And I talk to, I talk to everybody because you don't know whose uh, brother-in-law's nanny's uncle is the head of the – you just don't know how the pieces fit together. And while I, uh, I, I very much adhere to something my father used to tell me, tell uh, us kids was life is an adventure to be lived, not a mystery to be solved. There isn't a correct answer, right? You couldn't put in a book, okay, here's what you do. You make sure that, uh, that a person you barely know gets stranded at lunch with a person you've never met, but admire, (laughs) and that that person plays golf 
and is good friends with the person who needs somebody to do that work. You can't describe it that way. No. All you can all you can do is like uh, put a uh, what did Willie Levin say? A shoe shine and a smile. Just go out there and do it. You'd be surprised <laughs> what kind of fun you get into. Well, I love that story because it was one of those things where I, I, you know, I, I got back from the lunch and I called my folks and I was like, you're not going to believe who I ended up at lunch with today. Chris, I have uh, obviously, you know, I've followed your career for, for all of the time that we have been friends and you've been so generous with your time always with colleagues and, and even, you know, clients and, and, and others that have come up through uh, needing contact with the media and understanding of the media. But tell me a little bit, because you have such a great and varied background. Tell me a little bit about how you got started. How did you end up? I mean, you're obviously from West Virginia, but how did you end up a journalist? Well, um, when I was 17, my father told me that I would have to work the summer between high school and college. I found this a very offensive suggestion. I, th I thought this was a, a, a both cruel and, and unreasonable because uh, I was going to lay around uh, Wheeling Country Club. I had my plan. I was going to lay around Wheeling Country Club all summer uh, and uh, play golf and sit by the pool. And sure. I was just shocked. Uh, so uh, I, I went to go get a job. And the only job, well, no, let's st start with this. I wasted a month, <clears throat> excuse me, I wasted a month doing nothing. And then as the deadline was approaching, realized I had to get a job. So the only job that I could come up with, my brother knew a guy who was going to start a hot dog stand in Wheeling, West Virginia. Mm. And Wheeling ain't uh, Manhattan. And uh, as I realized that I would be selling hot dogs to my friend's parents as they came out of the federal courthouse or trying to, what's worse than selling somebody a hot dog? Failing to sell somebody a hot dog. <laughs> and I would be doing this. And then I found out that I would have to wear a paper hat with a hot dog on it. Oh. And I, I, I despaired. That's not good for but your it, social life. <laughs> no, it's not good for anything. No one with a dancing weenie on your hat. No one feels good. <laughs> So I went, as, as I was leaving um, the uh, interview, uh, I saw the newspaper building and I remembered that um, I knew the guy who owned the newspaper. Yeah. And I thought, well, it's better than selling hot dogs. Yeah. And my sister, my sister had worked there at the, the hometown newspaper and her husband. And I thought, well, maybe. And so I went in and, and in Bermuda shorts and a golf cap. Uh, went in and said, yeah, I'd like to see Mr. Nutting. And she said, who are you? And I said who I was. And she said, hold on. And then she said, yeah, he'll see you. And he gave me a job writing sports in that dusty, dirty old newsroom with electrical tape holding the carpet together and video display terminal word processors from the 1970s. Uh -huh. And I want to tell you, I was hooked. I was instantaneously, I had found my people, I had found my place in the world. And it is amazing to me, I'm, you know, I did student newspapering through college and all that stuff, but I went right back to work as soon as I got out of college and have never stopped. And the fact that you can make a living in this country writing uh, for other, writing for strangers is about the most amazing thing I can think of. Oh, I love that. I love that story too. It was hot dogs are news. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Some days, so I got to tell you, there's days when you can't quite tell the difference, yeah, but well, that's another that. story. <laughs> so tell me, because you have been, you've been on the air, you've been, I mean, you've been through the pandemic, through everything else. Well, uh, 
people like me have been hanging out at home, uh, wondering how many other pairs of athleisure I can fit in my closet. Uh, you've been you've been out there and you've been you've been covering the presidential election and you've been doing all of that. How is the pandemic change has it at all changed the way you do your work well i think the uh, i i hope that among the silver linings uh to this experience for our country uh is uh, a reprioritization uh we have some pretty deeply disordered attachments in the world today and what what i received the 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 the, the gifts of this, this sorrowful time for me, more time with my kids, um, uh, more uh, cherished friendships. Um, you you know who who really you know who and what really matters to you, because you have to be intentional. Um, there's a thing in Washington, and I, I used to be more of it, and then and then wasn't which is if you want to be a little cork in the ocean out there, you can go with the flow, right? You can get invited to, if you go to the thing, you'll get invited to the next thing and then you'll go to the other thing. And pretty soon you're part of this parade uh, that goes through and you can do it sort of thoughtlessly. You can do it without intentionality. And what, so the gifts, the gifts of this experience for me are just, you know, more time with the people I love, but also an understanding about intentionality and that, and that's really cool. Yeah, I, I see that too. And and uh, the one thing that I would say is that it does, I've had more sit down dinners with my, my family, more intentional yeah. uh, time with them that, you know, for better or worse, I've got teenagers living in my house. So some days are better than others. But, um, <laughs> but for the most part, I would say that it's been positive. But so, um, you know, so Friday Reporter obviously was built and and put together as a means for me to help my colleagues, my clients, my friends better understand how it is that our business is changing with the media. The media is changing. But how for you, how would you say that if a communications professional, if a if a friend, a colleague, if if someone comes to you and says, "Chris, I really think that this is a story." Um what's working for you now? What kinds of things are you looking for more than ever? What kinds of stories? Tell me a little bit about what, what works. If I'm coming to pitch you, what works for you? Well, the first thing that work that can work, uh, uh, I'm writing a column for the dispatch now and I always need a good column idea, right? I'm writing twice a week over there right. and I always need a good column idea. So it is possible that I could receive an email from a stranger and say, Oh, that's good. Oh, I like that. Or maybe it's just a data point. So you might just get lucky. That's true. Sure. Uh, but most of the time you won't. Most of the time I'm thinking about something else and I'm wrestling with my own stuff. What works here's first, let me give a piece of advice to reporters and editors and journalists, which is take the meeting, take the call, right? Don't be too big for your britches. Uh, take the meeting, take the call. You never know. And plus it's the right thing. It's generally the right thing to do. If a, and I say this with love, if a flack comes to you, uh, with a story, with an idea, with a request, if it's inside the bounds of normalcy, give it a, give it a listen because you might, you might like it. Uh, number one and number two, you are going to maybe meet somebody who the next thing will be great. Maybe the next thing will be great. This per and and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a communications person who knows who I am and what I do and what I might use it for. Um, one of my favorites was I uh, for 
many years hosted a podcast with Dana Perino. Yeah. And we never had, you know how many guests we had in all those years? Zero. We had zero, zero guests. <laughs> oh, except for her husband once a year at Christmas time for a trivia contest. Oh, that's so fun. But that's it. And I would get these call and people who I thought were my friends uh, and others would say, hey, uh, here's a great guest for your next podcast. Love or love your podcast. Here's a great here's here's a great guest for your next podcast. And you want to say and you're like, you have never, ever listened to it. And so you're you're not just you're not you not just do you not know me, but you don't even care. This doesn't even matter to you. Mm-hmm. And you you would be better off person. So I guess I put it this way. It would be like a suit. Um, if you can't get the right proportions and measurements, just leave it baggy. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get that. And I feel like that happens a lot. It's just sloppy. It's just yep. like um, doing a little bit of homework spending a little extra time getting to know what it is they're covering, reading the column, find out what they care about. Um, and sometimes, I mean, gosh, some of the best conversations I've ever had with some of your colleagues on the, on the media side were the ones where I spent an extra minute to figure out like how old their kids were. Like, are they living mm-hmm. in the same space? I am just like life stuff, right? Just this is human, human connection. Um, not in a creepy way, but in like a, Hey, I'm going through the same thing. Like, let's figure out how to do some work together too, if we can. Uh, so I love that. I love that. Uh, okay. So Friday reporter, this is going to air on a Friday, uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so I always like to ask because Washington is a, you know, we're still on lockdown and we're still, you know, distancing from all these things, but folks are finding some really fun and creative things to do on the weekend. So what are you most looking forward to doing this weekend? Ooh, okay. I mean, I, my weekends are with the uh, baseball has started for my youngest. And so he's in conditioning. Little did I know that you could be in conditioning when you're 10. Uh, <laughs> what position does he play? Uh, he is, he is a short, he is a shortstop by inclination and uh, body type. Uh-huh. Uh, but he has, but he might be a pitcher. I don't know. He's a, he, he loves it and he's good at it. I, it, it makes my heart happy. Mm-hmm. But um, what I actually look forward to, and this will t- tell you a lot about who I am, the fact that because of the schedule of this weekend, his brother and I are going to have like three hours to kill because we can't go back because of dropping off and all that stuff. Yes. And I guarantee you, we will have more fun screwing around in those three hours, going to the place, looking at the thing. Maybe we'll go take a walk somewhere. But unstructured time with your kids is something I I did not get enough of before. I still don't really get enough of. But how cool in these, you know, kids are so overbooked anymore. And the pandemic has helped that a little bit. But how nice just to have a little time to see what kind of trouble you can get into with your kids and hang out. I like that. Oh, I'd love that too. Yeah. I mean that, and that's that, oh boy, I, I do not miss that scheduling, that overscheduling boy. That, that unfortunately though, it feels like, it feels like that, that, that the, the pull is, is coming, right? It feels like you all of these people, the, the entrepreneur, the, the enterprise that is children's sports is pulling us back into that. And boy, I, I just, I, lo- it's, I loathe it's, it. <laughs> it's like being on 395 now 
-hmm. you could feel you can feel it used to be it's two in the afternoon three in the afternoon i can drive on any lane i want at uh five miles over the speed limit no problem you you can feel the pull of the old ways the old rhythms are coming back and what i wonder is are we going to go from you know how in washington very often you go from spring right to summer like you have a week of spring Mm -hmm. and then if you're like how did it get to be 90 degrees (laughs) i what i what i what i I won't say worry about I won't worry about, but what what I think we ought to be on the, the lookout for is don't the the flipping the switch too hard, um, not just from a public health standpoint, but from a standpoint of our spiritual, psychological, emotional well-being. It's maybe I think about it this way. It's like, you know, the people what's that diet where you don't eat anything and then you rebuild your whole digestive. Uh, it's the whole 30 or something oh, like yes. that. Yes. the whole 30. So maybe maybe the approach to adding stuff back to life is that maybe you start one thing at a time and be Piece real intentional. Yeah. Maybe you'd be real intentional about what you put back. I sure hope so. I think a lot of people are thinking about it that way, but, but then, but then the, the wheels start to turn and who the heck knows? Oh, who the knows? tractor beam is strong. The tractor <laughs> beam is strong. The ramp, the on-ramp is going to be very, very speedy. Well, Chris, uh, my last question for you today and, and the final question for the for pop, excuse me, for the podcast is always, who would you uh, recommend to join us for a future podcast? I think Julie Mason, Sirius XM host, uh, my former colleague from The Examiner and hilarious person would be a perfect guest for you. I love, I would love to have Julie and that would be a great and fun addition. She does some great stuff and she does a great show. So I will reach out to her and I'll tell her you sent me. And Chris Styrowell, always such a fun time to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Such a treat, my friend. Thank you. And that's today's episode of the Friday Reporter. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next time. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.